Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, it's mailbag time. Bag it up, Eric. We're doing it. Uh, as promised yesterday, uh, we, ha- we have a special, a new and special mailbag because not only uh, did we take questions from Twitter as always, um, but uh, our our Twitter friend uh, Joe Osterndorf also set up a uh, Reddit thread uh, of questions for us. So shout out to Joe, shout out to everybody who uh, who put in questions for us. And I've got a massive list. I did I barely even <laughs> asked for questions today because I, I like every time I didn't even do it. Like I didn't yeah. like I just retweeted the tweet that you put out this morning and I still feel like the email you sent me that compiled all these questions is still massive. Yeah. So we you guys give us too many questions, which is great. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, we're going to see how many we can get through. We're, we're probably going to group ones that are similar. So we're going to try to shout out as many people as possible. Um, we may answer kind of a variant of your question, but just just bear with us. We'll 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 do our best and. Um, we will lead with uh, with with the thing we know the least about uh, because you know uh, that's the first rule of of life. Lead with uh, your we- no, that's not a rule. Uh, <laughs> but we will start with a couple draft related questions. Um, I guess we'll caveat this by saying that that we're sort of in the the primordial ooze of our draft preparations at the moment. Um, but I, I did mention the other night uh, my my. Uh, intrigue with with Jonathan Isaac, who's now, of course, out of the tournament for Florida State. Um, but we have a couple questions here. Uh, I'll read them off, and then we can kind of take them as, as one question. But Cookster123 in, at Reddit asks, um, what area on the team do the Bucks address in the upcoming draft? And Ryan Bronze Kippa asks, assuming we draft in the 13 to 18 range, who are a couple prospects you think would fit well with this team? Eric, what, do you even have guys that you're you're thinking about at this point? I know you spend your entire year trying not to bias yourself. Mm-hmm. Are you now allowing yourself to get excited about some some potential guys who you know, uh, l- let's say other than uh, you know Lonzo Ball and and Markel Fultz who will be long gone by the time the Bucks pick? I was gonna say I've fallen totally head over heels for Lonzo Ball. Like I, oh man. I- and I know like the jump shot doesn't quite work and it's got the weird form and sometimes he can only shoot with Wilson basketballs or something, whatever I'm, I'm in on Lonzo ball. Um, but obviously that's not something the bucks are going to draft or be able to draft. Um, so I, I guess to attack the first part of the question, where do the bucks go? I think it's pretty obvious. It's center and point guard. Um, I can't imagine really. But do, but do you think? I mean, how how much do you think that affects what the Bucks actually do? Do you think? I mean, do you not think at there's all. A really... Not in any okay. way. Um, I think it, John Hammond's made it very clear that he's going to draft kind of the guy that he thinks is the best long term prospect, and that probably means that he's younger than twenty years old. He has freakishly long limbs. Uh, he has a great 
uh, baseline to baseline time. Um, he's probably raw. Um, I'm trying to think of all the John Hammond checklists. Like the you, if you need shooting, well, I'm sorry, he's probably not going to draft a guy that's just a good shooter because there's no skill set. There's there's no other tools there. There's he's going to want something something more. Um, so I guess maybe that means he doesn't go center or point guard, but point guard is pretty deep in this draft. So I think that's might be something you see. And also centers tend to be guys that have long limbs and are athletic. Uh, so that can kind of fit the John Hammond mold as well. Um, I think on this podcast before we've mentioned Frank Tilakina, I think that's sure. Uh, that's what that's what i'm gonna go with uh at least for tonight maybe i'll change it once i actually learn how to pronounce it um but obviously that's a point guard that could interest the bucks uh he's a six five taller guy good size wingspan um so that could intrigue the bucks um justin Patton, center from creighton he's a freshman uh but he's like a 19 year old freshman redshirt freshman i didn't I didn't realize like anybody still redshirted that was you know not terrible but yeah he's... <laughs> yeah so he's a little bit on the older i mean still young um I, I think he's someone who i've been interested with i mean it helps that at espn milwaukee i covered marquette so i've i watched a bunch of creighton games this year um so he interests me uh john collins is someone i saw this past week at wake forest power forward uh 6'10 long arms bouncy athletic um those those are probably three i think in that range that probably interest me um those three guys terrence ferguson is someone our uh brew hoop compatriot eric benning has suggested i take a closer look at and uh, i'm trying to i think he went to australia he's originally from america and then just decided not to go to college and wanted to go play pro ball. So he's been in Australia this year. Um, he's exciting as well, but uh, that's kind of the, the depth of where my knowledge is at right now. What, what do you think on either of those questions, Frank? Yeah. I mean, some of the similar names kind of came, came to mind. And again, I'm, 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 I'm really playing from behind at this point. Um, you know, my, my bucks need, um, radar has been trying to convince me to like Malik Monk all season, but he's you know in all likelihood a top ten pick, so you wouldn't expect him to be there. And and he's also like more of the you know pure scorer who doesn't do much else type guy that normally mm-hmm. I don't like. So it's really kind of truly going against my my better instincts. Um, I think Jonathan Isaac is really interesting. He does a ton of stuff and is a surprisingly good shooter, eighty percent foul shooter for like a six ten six eleven. Like if he would fall, weird. oh my god, yes, yeah. Yeah, um, and again, he doesn't really fill, fill a need, but you know, block shots um, seems to have good range on his jumper and, and does a lot of stuff, which you know, again, for for an eighteen-year-old kid, is really interesting. But um, Tillakina is interesting. I mean, he's you know, looking at the mocks right now, he's like the the one point guard who is considered, you know, kind of like a good first-round prospect who isn't in the top six. Like if you look at Draft Express right now. Fultz, Ball are one, two, and then you've got De'Aaron Fox at five, Dennis Smith at six. Um, you know, may, I've heard some people suggest that Monk might be able to play some point guard. I don't know how realistic that is, but um, but so you've got all all these guys in, in that very high end of the range, and then Tilakina at uh, at eleven. Let me just call him French Frank, French Toast Frank. Um, and uh, <laughs> you're gonna and make that nickname Frank, happen though. before like he even yeah. gets to the league. Just go for it. Exactly, French French Toast Frank. Um, I mean, what I like about him is he's not even 19 years old he's big for a point guard 
Um, he killed it at, I think it was the Euro under 20s or under 19, something, I don't know, some junior tournament he just crushed for mm-hmm. France. Um, it seems like he, he has the makings of a potentially good shooter in addition to having really good physical tools. So I, I don't know. What the hell? He's foreign. I feel like if, if you like get really attached and speak confidently about foreign players, then you sound smarter because most people are like, <laughs> I don't know that guy. Um, I am not interested in Justin Jackson. He's 22 years old. He didn't really shoot well until this year, and I'm I'm just kind of 22. Doesn't really fit the mold of a Bucks first rounder. I don't think they've drafted someone over 22 since. There's a thought maker joke here, but I won't make it. Um, <laughs> in the in the first round, um, I don't know Sean Respert. <laughs> I don't know. Let's stop thinking about this because it's going to make me feel stupid. But. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, there, there are a bunch of interesting guys. I mean, there's some foreign guys. I mean, if you look at Draft Express, I mean, they've got these like random foreign dudes. And it's like, I, I don't know anything about Isaiah Hartenstein or, you know, Rodion's Koroks or what are these guys? I, I don't have any idea. Um, by the way, one question for you. Um, I was I was watching some stuff on Miles Bridges from Michigan State, and it he basically strikes me as kind of like, like a slightly s- smaller Jabari who might have a clue on defense. Um and it was kind of interesting because I was looking at him. He's currently projected 12. I kind of thought, man, if the Bucks drafted Miles Bridges, like, wouldn't that be like the ultimate like slap in 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 the face of like Jabari's future in Milwaukee? But I don't know. Do you do you have any thoughts on him as a prospect? I don't know what to think of him because he's he's undersized. Yeah, he's like six six. So he's supposed. To, I guess you'd hope he's a small forward. I don't really know what he is. Um, but he's kind of barrel chested in the same way that Jabari is, but he's super athletic. Like he did a 360 the other night, I think in their tournament game or maybe a conference championship game. Like, and he was super highly rated to start the year, um, and didn't have quite as much success. So I don't, I don't know what to make of him and I don't know what he unlocks at the next level, if that makes any sense. Like, I don't know what position he plays and what he does at that position that is giving you some sort of advantage. If that makes any sense, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he's a thirty-nine percent three-point shooter on, on pretty good volume. He had, he's a lefty kind of, kind of a set shot, but he's like basically ambidextrous as a finisher, um, a big-time dunker. Um, but as much as he shot threes pretty well this year, sixty-nine percent from the foul line, didn't shoot many free throws, um, which is you know a bit concerning. But I mean, his numbers were pretty good: seventeen points, eight point three rebounds, one and a half blocks. I mean, you know, the, the counting stats were there. Um, I'll be curious to see. I haven't really seen any kind of, you know, uh, advanced analytical kind of projection models out yet. I'm going to be curious to see um, what uh, what that looks like. But anyway, I think we've talked enough about the draft. We, we need to talk about things that we actually have some some clue about. Um, so let's get a couple questions that that touch on um, Chris Middleton and Jabarls from uh, <laughs> from Reddit asks. Um, I'm seeing how this team is clicking with Middleton. How many wins do you think they would have finished with if Middleton never got hurt and Jabari didn't go down again? And what would have been their playoff ceiling? Um, Trent Mills at Twitter also asked, had Chris played from the start of the year, what would our record be? So wh- what do you think? Where are the Bucks right now if Chris Middleton doesn't do the splits and tear, tear his uh, hamstring off the bone uh, in late September or whenever that was? So they're 34 and 35. That's good for 7th currently in the East, I believe, or 8th, somewhere in there. With Middleton, let's see, before the season, we infamously, to us at least, recorded a podcast, and then Middleton tore his hamstring that we just had to throw away because it was worthless because we had made predictions and projections. And I think 
maybe I had said 43 before the season um, with them, and that was on the higher, more optimistic side. Um, but 43 probably feels about right, because um, certainly you're still going to be working through some things with how to balance all three of those guys. And, I mean, that was something that the Bucks never really had to deal with this year, how to balance kind of how you you feed three mouths like that that just isn't something that they had to do um and and i mean to an extent you do have to figure out how to use jabari and Giannis at the same time and now how to use Giannis and chris at the same time but never all three at the same time so um though i think chris is is a very positive player and jabari is positive in some ways obviously we've we've still haven't seen a huge uh positive contribution to wins from Jabari yet um 43 for the season and they're on pace for a little bit less than that right now so maybe you have to go up to 45 wins total on the year not their record right now I'm saying on on the entire season because they're about on pace for 41 maybe 40 right now so 45 ish maybe feels about right what do you think yeah I I think I want to say in my head I went from 40 to 34 wins in my projection, something like that, um, at the beginning of the year when Chris got hurt. So I basically took away six wins. And um, so I guess if I'm going to be consistent, I can take a look at where they're going to be and add six to that. Uh, and I think 538 currently has them projected at, at 40. I know when we did our um, projections, I think I said 38 and 44, I think, when we did our thing a couple weeks ago. So mm-hmm. um so if you add to that, yeah, I mean, it puts you right in that like 44 to 46 range um, of, of total wins, which, um, you know, that's 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 pretty, pretty damn good in the East. You know, when you think about how um, how weird the East is right now, I mean, um, I think that would put you uh, I mean, definitely put you fifth and, you know, probably put you then in, uh, um, you know, battling it out with the Raptors for, for, for that four or five series. So um, so that's that's obviously pretty pretty interesting and actually I'll, let me let me knock this out um just because it, it's pertinent to what i just said um let's see what where did we have this question i'm just digging it up from um from down below uh randy kessler on twitter asks the first season the Giannis led bucks are a top four seed in the east will be and i guess the answer is if I'm just saying, that if I'm saying right now that the Bucks would be contending for a four seed if Chris had been healthy all season this year, um, I, I guess they should be right in the running next year, right? I mean, is that a reasonable goal for next season? I mean, I don't yeah. know. Are we just setting ourselves up for more Bucks disappointment? I guess when I say top four, I'm basically saying four, <laughs> probably yeah. three or four. Um, I don't see them toppling the Cavs or Celtics next year, but maybe all those other teams could be in play. Yeah, with the with the crazy summer Toronto has coming up, I think you could easily see they see them fall off of that that top four level. Maybe the Wizards have figured something out, and you're looking at Cleveland, Boston, Washington as the top three. But yeah, I think expectations should be top four seed next year, especially especially with the leap Giannis has made and getting Chris back into kind of the swing of things from the start of the season. And then any off season changes, you would hope off season changes would help the team. Um, and you'll see if that can get them to the top four, but I don't think that's a crazy expectation. Yeah. Um, Sean, the beast 
asks, hey guys, I also tweeted you this question. I didn't need to read that, but <laughs> while, while watching the Laker game, Gus Johnson mentioned that the Bucks were Chris Middleton's team. Do you agree? If so, what does Giannis have to do to gain more momentum as the clear leader of the Milwaukee Bucks in the future? And I guess I would start off by saying, eh, that just feels like something you say because Giannis isn't American and doesn't speak English that well, and he's younger than Chris Middleton, so it just feels like something to say, like to draw some kind of like significance to Chris Middleton. Um, so I don't know. Is 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 are the Bucks Chris Middleton's team? I wouldn't say that, but I I can sort of see the idea of like romancing Chris Middleton as the more veteran, you know, kind of guy who you know is the ste- the steady the steadier of the ship or something like that, but. I don't know, whatever. I wouldn't have said it, but, you know, who cares? Um, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of a tough spot because of the things that you mentioned. And again, Giannis is at a disadvantage because he is an American and he is younger and all those things. Um, so I, I guess in a way that gives an advantage to Chris, fairly or unfairly. Um, but But I think you've seen both of them kind of improve in those areas, like those leadership areas. Uh, I know earlier, I don't even know, a month ago, I wrote about how when Chris returned, the big thing was that he was talking more now. And Chris doing that seemed to help out the team. And again, cliche, cliche, cliche. But at, at the same time, I think he's improved in that in that kind of a idea and in that way, being more of a talker, being more of a leader. And I think Giannis is improving in that way. I know when uh, the Suns were in town, I, I was trying to ask Jared Dudley about that, about what he's seen change in Giannis from his first year with or his year with Jared Dudley to uh, now the time where he's obviously playing against him. And he said, yeah, it was difficult for Giannis because he was learning kind of how to communicate on a basketball court in a different language and how to talk to guys and how to figure all of these defensive terms out and then verbalize them to his teammates. So he was trying to figure that out. And that was something that is going to hamper his learning curve and kind of how he can do those things. But he said he did get better as the year went on and he's gotten better in, in the two years since Dudley was in town. So I guess taking a look at it, Maybe there's a slight advantage for Chris, but ultimately, I think it's pretty close. Yeah, and I don't think Giannis. I mean, it, I don't know. I don't view it as like a competition necessarily either. I mean, they're you know, they're, they're some guys are going to be more vocal leaders. Some guys are going to lead more by example. And I think with Giannis, I mean, I think as long as the work ethics there and the production is there, and you're a good teammate, you know, if Chris is more of like the guy that people look at in the locker room, I think that's totally fine. I don't think that's a big deal. Um, I think the main thing is totally just, agree. you know having having uh, everybody being sort of on board with you know, the pecking order and, and, you know, Chris not being pissed off that, you know, they ran a play for Giannis at the end of regulation the other night or whatever it is. Right. So, um, okay. Um, so now we've got some Jabari questions and these are all kind of a bummer. So I'm just going to warn, warn people right now. And I don't want to dwell on any of these. Uh, let, let me start with, with this one just because spoiler alert, I think this is kind of tease things up cause it sort of gets at the uncertainty and, um, Zodiac HDPC asked, there's been drastic opinions all over as to how hard it'll be for Jabari to come back from the same injury twice. What are your thoughts on his recovery? And could you share scenarios of a healthy and unhealthy recovery would look like in the world of the NBA? And let me just say this. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I mean, this is, this is coloring. I think a lot of my view of, of these next questions, but I, I really don't, I really don't know. I mean, he, he could be the same guy athletically, he could be notably maybe less confident. 
Um, it may be more mental than, than physical, you know, that's, that's very common. Um, I, I really don't know what to expect. I was, I was confident that he could come back from the first ACL, but uh, it's tough to say it's, it's a new, you know, it's, this is a new thing. You, you just haven't seen many guys do this, but you know, again, he's very young. I think people are saying the right things about him being able to come back, but I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, by nature of what we do on this podcast, we have to sort of infer about things and make guesses, but Jabari's role on this team in the long term is one that I'm 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 pretty uncertain about. I don't even know how to think about it. The way I think about it is, and again, there's going to be some people that are really not going to like this, but going forward at this point, I don't count on Jabari for anything. Like I think you have to view it as a team and as an organization that you have no idea what you're what you're ever going to get out of Jabari Parker again. So if you count him as a zero, do you have enough talent? Do you have what you need to be a contender? And, and I think that should hopefully color the Bucks offseason. That, hey, we, we still need to be in talent acquisition mode. We cannot settle and, and be happy and think, hey, Jabari's going to come back and he's going to be able to score 20 points. Because that could be the outcome. Maybe he's even better. Maybe he can score 25 points in a game in a season. That could very well be. But counting on that, to me, seems a bit optimistic and maybe a bit foolish just because you don't know you really don't know and this is very this is unprecedented so maybe he's that guy and maybe he's a little bit less uh, of himself and still good like he could still serve a very valuable role not quite as as someone not quite the same player that he was like that could still be a valuable role like a guy that could get 15 a game off the bench for you like that that could still be valuable and he could still be a big piece of this organization but to count on it to me seems just a little risky like like i think you should view this offseason as hey this team needs to get better we need to find more players and we need to find more players at the top of this roster we we need to find a way to get more talent so um, that's kind of the way I view it. Uh, is that fair? Is that too pessimistic? What do you think? Well, I'm, I'm sort of. I think what you said to start is is sort of where I am. Right. I don't think you make um, as from a team building standpoint around the assumption that Jabari is is going to be back and and be the same player that he was or, or fulfill the same role. And um, that's that's not fun, you know. But I think it's just. I think for our own sanity, it's probably an easier, easier way to go about living. And you just wish him the best and hope that he comes back and, and that he is the, the guy that you hoped he would be, um, you know, and, and not just what he was this year, but but that he continue to improve. Because I think he does need to continue to improve, I mean, defensively in particular. So, um, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, so I guess the, the, the question here, I mean, you mentioned like, oh, well, you know, maybe he is what, what, what he was. Maybe, you know, he's, he's a lesser player. Um, I think around that some interesting questions. Um, Benjamin Thomas asked, do you take the Brooklyn pick from the Celtics right now if they offer it for Jabari? This is an easy question. I think the answer is yes, yes, yes. And part of that is the injury. Part of that is just, you know, Jabari Parker, you're going to have to pay a ton of money to, um, you know, in the summer of 2018. And it's easier, certainly much easier financially and also in terms of gambling on upside to, you know, roll the dice on. On a, on a top pick, I think that, that that's my view of it. I, I don't know if you disagree. Nope, you are one hundred percent correct. If, okay. if Brooklyn or if the Celtics would offer that Brooklyn pick, I mean, you're talking Markel Fultz or Lonzo Ball. Yes, 
please. Would would you, but what if it, I mean it could be the fourth pick as well, right? I mean, would it would, if it was the fourth pick? Yes. Pick, do you? Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, and and to be clear, the Celtics are not offering even the number four pick for Jabari. I don't think anybody's really going to no. bite on Jabari. I mean, maybe if it was his first ACL tear, then I think you could talk me into that. But but the way it is now, I, I just can't see it. Um, so uh, w- one more question from uh, Caspian, aka. Um, so, well, actually, a couple more. So he says, um, so Giannis, Jabari, Middleton are the, the main core for the Bucks. Um, I want. I'm one of those who believe the Bucks resurgence has nothing to do with Jabari's injury. It's more the fact that Chris is back. That being said, Jabari now faces two torn ACLs. My question surrounds the finances of it. Will the Bucks decide to sign Jabari for a four-year, seventy or five-year, eighty to eighty-five million dollar deal, or even a max deal? Isn't that a risk? What a possible third injury would mean for the franchise and its future. Um, so. Again, like, could they sign him to a four-year, you know, sub-max extension? I think we talked about this when the injury happened. Like, I think we talked about, like, oh, what would that be? Even $70 million, $80 million? Um, Man, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for a guy that you're... I mean, granted, the Bucks are going to have some sense, you know, over the next few months um, about how he's progressing and the deadline for an extension, uh, an, an early extension would be uh, end of October this year. So, you know, you'd hope that he would be pretty far along in his rehab at that point. But um, that's a big gamble. I mean, again, we're, we're kind of in unknown, uncharted territory here. And um, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm pretty much all these numbers scare me at this point. How heavily can you incentivize NBA contracts, Frank? Because it's not something that teams really do. Um, but, but I'm curious. You're kind of more of the cap guy than I am. Can you heavily incentivize contracts well i mean you could put um i mean you i mean i don't know if you'd incentivize so much i mean usually teams just what they end up doing is just making using options and non-guaranteed money so um i imagine it would be something like that so like for example like in like mlb or for major league baseball you can do something where it's like if this guy starts 110 of the 162 games then we get the option to sign him for another year. If he doesn't reach that, then there's no option and that all disappears. Like can you do something like that? Like if he if he hits a certain threshold of games, then can you get that option as a team to incentivize? Again, I, this isn't something I've really seen in the NBA, but I'm just curious if you can do that. Yeah, I mean, you can set incentives based on, on games played, um, you know, or, or other statistical milestones. But again, um, it, I, I can't recall. I'm trying to think if there's, I'm, I'm sure they haven't recalled a, a rookie extension having anything like that. Um, so I think typically with injuries or injuries or guys with injuries or other concerns, usually the, the mechanics of it are through team options or, or non guaranteed money. Um, but to be honest, I so think essentially why I ask all these questions is because it would be a huge risk. Like there's, there's no doubt about it. Even, even if you get them sub max, like the four for 70, uh, that Caspian AKA had, uh, floated out there. Like one, I don't know if Jabari's people agree to that. Like, I don't know if that's enough money for them or if they think, Hey, let's, let's bet on Jabari and let's bet on Jabari's two or three months that we think he'll be able to come back this year and he'll, he'll be able to do some damage, um, and then hit restricted free agency. Like I, I think that's probably their play. So I think both sides would be incurring quite a bit of risk. 
Um, and I, I just don't, I, I can't imagine they would. I, I'm, I'd be lying if I said the that contract situation doesn't totally fascinate me, but ultimately it seems like just too much risk on the side of the Bucks to do anything this summer with it. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe the, the number that would tip it would be something in that four-year, $70 million range or something like that. Um, and, you know, we've seen teams like, like Wes Matthews comes to mind, guys who, you know, Chandler Parsons, um, you know, so some of these have gone horribly wrong, like Chandler Parsons signs a four-year $94 million deal with, you know, uh, a bad knee, his other knee was, you know, has had all these problems. Um, and he's been a shell of himself and is now out for the season. And I mean, that, that money looks like it's just being lit on fire, basically. Wes Matthews, you know, didn't play well last year coming off an Achilles tear, has looked better this year, but you know, again, like, would you do it over again? I, I don't know. Um, so, I mean, teams will gamble on this. And, and um, I think the the interesting question, uh, pick protection at Reddit asks, should the Bucks match a Brooklyn Max offer sheet for Jabari if he enters restricted free agency in 2018? I think that's kind of like the wild card thing here. Like, if you try to lowball, quote unquote, lowball Jabari with a, uh, an extension offer, um, you know, what if he bets on, you know, would he bet on himself? Who knows, right? I mean, we, we don't really know how this is going to progress or how much confidence he'll have um but you know again i guess the risk would be he comes back and you know plays next year something i mean that's the other thing too he's not going to be going into restrictive free agency from a position of strength even if he comes back right like i mean we know from the first time like you're probably not going to look yourself for a few months so if he comes back mid-year i don't think we're going to see you know a great looking jabari parker next season um and so he'd be going into restricted free agency you'd, you'd basically just be hoping that a team that has nothing to lose basically would, would just gamble on upside like a, you know like a Nets type team um, but we'll see I mean the Nets could also blow all their cast space this summer right so who knows uh, so I think that's an interesting question I mean for, for me it's kind of irrelevant at this point because I, I have no idea what Jabari is going to look like in 2018 at this point um, but if he's not you know if he's looking like not close to the guy he was then you know, I think the max projects to around four years, 111 million in 2018. Um, I mean, the downside is the Bucks probably don't project to have much cap space, so it's sort of one of these deals where it's like, okay, do you, you know, potentially take on a huge albatross contract that you can't really replace with? You know, you can't go spend that money on somebody else. That's the the difficult part of that, um, and I think it probably also depends a bit on what they do in the draft this year. Probably depends a lot, obviously, on the way this team evolves, and also. Um, you know, a guy like Thon Maker, does Thon Maker look like a guy who's going to be making $20 million a year in a year and a half? Or does he look like a guy who's just, you know, a guy? So anyway, I think we've spent a lot of time on Jabari and I hope people haven't turned off the, the podcast out of sadness. Um, uh, and actually Brock Sobieski asked, uh, asked us a week ago and got a good Twitter discussion. What do you guys think of Jabari in the Harden OKC role? Um, I mean, as a bench scorer, like a diminished Jabari especially with Chris and Giannis, that could certainly make sense. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they really didn't... I mean, he went straight into the starting lineup when he came back from his first uh, ACL tear. Coming off the bench has really not been something that we've seen other than basically two games that were sort of outlier, you know, disciplinary slash mixing it up type things. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if that's really what Jabari wants to do. Yeah. But um, I think anything would kind of be in play. Jabari, Jamal, Crawford, Parker... Definitely, in, I, I mean that that intrigues me. I, I'm not going to lie about that. Um, he does very much seem like the kind of guy that 
would fit in that role of, hey, we need someone to come off the bench to give us 18 a night, and you just kind of let them run that second unit um, and just kind of go out there and score, just score. Um, And in that role and paid as that type of player, I I think he could be very valuable there. But at the same time, that hasn't been a role he's – really relished i don't think in in his time in milwaukee um obviously he, at times he's he's been a, a good scorer obviously he was averaging 20 points a game but as the the lone guy that's carrying a bench unit like he, that hasn't seemed like a role he's really enjoyed so um I, I think you would need some buy-in from jabari and ultimately you would need him to to sign at a contract number that would reflect that type of position on the team like there's a reason why james harden is not He's not on Oklahoma City anymore. Like they knew he was going to make too much money to have that role. So um, that would be the big thing. And again, I'm intrigued by it, but ultimately it probably seems unlikely. Uh, all right. Important question uh, coming up here from uh, GoBox34. Go in the uh, Louisiana G E A U X spelling. Uh, if Moose is the current enforcer, who is the Bucks' all time best enforcer? I'm watching a YouTube clip of the guy I'm going to nominate, but let me see who you pick. I, I'm trying to think. There really haven't been a ton of famous ones. Uh, Anthony Mason isn't a bad one, but I'm going to go with Armin Gilliam. Like, to me, that, that just seems like the hammer would be the guy uh, for me. Certainly in my time watching the Bucks, that's the most famous enforcer type person I can think of. What do you got? Yeah, I feel like I don't – I mean, I'm not young, but I feel like the older you are, the better your opinion opinion is going to be of this because you know you don't remember the <laughs> the enforcers as well you know so guys from the 80s i'm just not going to remember as much but i was going to say um the guy that that i feel like i should say based in part on just just people bringing him up on, on stuff like this is paul mckeskey of the the 80s bucks mm-hmm. uh and i just watched a clip of him getting punched in the the face by charles oakley <laughs> and then running after charles oakley to try to fight him so i feel like that's a pretty like you got pretty good enforcer chops i mean uh, on a resume that's what you put on an enforcer yeah. resume like i chased down yeah, charles I mean, oakley like i went after him <laughs> i mean he apparently broke his nose on this on this punch from from uh from him so that's that's pretty impressive um i was also going to say the the best player in the history of the franchise broke his freaking hand on kent benson's jaw in kent benson's first game like ultimately maybe kareem was the best bucks enforcer of all time like again that's a role that's very much above him but come on yeah but that's that's like a that's like a blake griffin move breaking your hand punching a guy come on um but uh i was gonna say well first off did anthony mason enforce anything except for our sadness when he signed in milwaukee i I don't know i I don't know if yeah i I like that good stuff mason mason is i mean he was built like a a brick shithouse but um but i will say probably my favorite guy who might be considered an enforcer um well my two favorite guys because they're more recent i remember them well scotty williams because he was just super likable yep. and he brought that some of that edge um and and obviously he he brought it on uh, on iverson in that game mm-hmm. that he got suspended for uh and then kurt thomas i enjoyed kurt thomas yeah. uh in the fear of the deer bucks he um gave zero f's uh, i'm i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna censor myself on that one uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll say other spirits but for some reason I'm gonna, I'm gonna censor that one um but i enjoyed just like kurt kurt thomas had the terrific like like look like when he fouled you hard or like whatever he would just give you this like disinterested look like 
I do not care. Like, I don't care that you are angry. Like, I've been, I'm too old. He's like the Danny Glover of fuck history. Like, the I'm too old for this shit guy. Um, so I, I have to respect Frank Bukowski, another guy. I don't know if Frank was an enforcer, but he also was. I think didn't did not give any f's. Um, all right, let's let's move on. That was fun. Uh, good question. Um, practical question, which I hadn't looked up until it was asked. Uh, Big Damn Hero at Reddit asked, what is Haas and Monroe's guarantee dates? And if they opt out, should the Bucks look at moving Henson to open up near max cap space for any of the prospective free agents this summer? To be clear, this means attaching a future first to get Henson off the books. Um, okay, so first things first. So Monroe's option date is actually uh, June 22nd. So it's pretty early. Uh, and Haas's is uh, June 26th. So, um, you know, again, I think the interesting one is Monroe because um, that one is coming before the draft. Um, and, and so that's, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, the, the draft date is June 22nd. So it's on the day of the draft. He gets to opt out. Uh, now, granted, I don't think you should be making or, or not making a pick based on Greg Monroe. But it, it is interesting that you're going to know. Uh, about Greg Monroe, I guess on draft day, right? And and maybe that leads. How would that like affect trades, et cetera? Like, would you need him to, like, then you would need him to opt in to be able to trade? Like, how would how does that affect draft day trades? So I was thinking more if he opts out, then then you know more. Well, his decision I think lets you know more about the construction of your roster. So as was alluded to in in the question, if Greg Monroe is opting out, then if you move one more guy, then you could have significant amounts of cap space. So maybe you are more, maybe you're more willing to trade, you know, a, mm-hmm. a Deli, a Henson, a Toledovich, and to try to get rid of some cap, some some money that that's coming off the cap in order to open up more cap space. And again, this doesn't have to happen on draft night, right? But yeah. um, but maybe you have more incentive to do that, or maybe you say, oh, Monroe's opting out. Eh, you know what? We're okay hanging on to Henson because we want to have that depth and and you know some depth behind Thon or or whatever it might be. Um, so that that's the John Henson story. We just want to have some depth. <laughs> We're gonna pay you ten million dollars to have some depth. It's a good it's a good life. Um, so so anyway, that, those are kind of interesting. Um, and to be clear, just to finish out that question, there's no way I attach a first round pick to John Henson to move him. Like there's there's no way that the Bucks are ever going to use that money in in free agency better than they you know are going to get from the value of a first round pick. Like I just. I have no faith that 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 they can use that money in free agency uh, in a better way. So, um, uh, yeah, Do, it, it, trading John Henson for, for into cap space for some team that just wants a center and isn't going to get you know demand a first round pick. That's one thing, but um, having to like give up assets to get rid of John Henson, no way. I'm not doing that. Um, next question. Um, so O two seven eight Gross G asks, going into next year, if Moose opts out, we'll have a center rotation of Henson, Haas, and Thon. Is that a decent enough stopgap for another year of building, or do you see any free agents or draft picks that could bolster it? Um, what, what do you? And, and and he had some some other points, but I'll, I'll just so we can kind of get through some more questions. I'll just kind of leave it at that. So thanks for the question. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, do you? You know, if next year the Bucks big man rotation is is that that group of three. What do you think? I mean, is that good enough? Like, are you, you know, seriously hamstringing uh, um, 
you know, Giannis and, and Chris as they try to build a, a that 46-win team that they might have been this year, uh, if Chris had been healthy, or, or what do you think? I mean, that's a pretty weak center position. There's yep. there's no doubt about that. I My, my let's see, how do my I don't know if disdain is probably a little bit too strong for John Henson's game, but um, my dislike of John Henson's game and my general disinterest in Spencer Hawes, like the only interesting player there is Thon. And next year, how many minutes can Thon play? Twenty? Could could you get twenty minutes out of him? I I don't know. I, I really don't. I don't know if he can put on enough weight. I don't know if, if that is putting him in a position to succeed. Uh, I really don't. So um, to answer your question, I do think that would be significantly hamstringing Giannis and Chris. But at the same time, I don't know if it's the worst thing. Uh, I would. I, spending free agent money on a center is something that could be interesting. But ultimately, um, we've seen the Bucks track record in free agency, and I mean, I think a lot of times the big spenders in free agency sometimes don't quite get what they want. Um, that they, they don't quite get what they paid for. Um, so I guess I'd probably be okay with it, but I'd be okay with it knowing that that's hamstring. I mean, the roster would not have enough talent on it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of one of those things that the Bucks are, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I think, I and mean, we even said it this summer, if, if they had given Greg Monroe away, I mean, that's a void, I mean, especially offensively. And I think you look at this team this year, um, you know, I was looking at the other day, the Bucks have been better without Giannis on the court since December 1st. And it's just barely, it's like they're like plus 1.1 versus plus 0.9 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can look at it, the, 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 um, glass half full is that geez the bucks are a plus team without Giannis. that's <laughs> that's surprising <laughs> yeah um that's impressive uh the downside is wait why are the bucks only plus 0.9 with Giannis? like what is jason kidd doing like how are you not better leveraging his talents we'll get to jason kidd in a moment mm-hmm. um but i think Gre- greg monroe is a huge reason why the bucks have been able to be good without Giannis on the court this season and um, you know, again, I, I don't know if it always makes sense. I, I don't know if his defense should be able to hold up as, as well as it has, or at least the trade-off seems to have worked out as well as it has. He's been a really good plus-minus guy, um, really steadying presence off the bench. He's he's pushing punks around like Nick Young, which we love. Um, but yeah, if they lose him, I mean, that, that's that's a void, and and you're going to need a lot offensively from the guys you have. Maybe you know, maybe a guy like you know Beasley is is more necessary uh, for offensive purposes in the second unit without Jabari because you don't have that that center scoring option um I think it would at least take the training wheels off and force the Bucks to try to do something other than just post Greg Monroe in fourth quarters which um I think you know Monroe has generally been I don't know I don't know I'd have to look up the numbers if he's, if he's been their best crunch time guy but um I think of all the guys you know who who've probably you know gotten the ball a lot um you know Monroe has, has historically even last year as well been been pretty effective and, and reliable in that sense so um so yeah it, it would definitely be a downgrade and and i don't know i think that's why i wouldn't have a problem if they just resigned greg monroe for a few years you know and hopefully for a lot less money than he's making now but um but i don't know that's it's a really interesting question i think the off season is gonna you know everything sort of pivots around that decision on june 22nd i, I don't think there is a clear end in sight to the 
lack of talent at the center or point guard positions. Like there's no clear pathway to getting out of that. Uh, As the roster is currently constructed, as their cap space looks uh, ahead, uh, I don't, I don't know what, what the path is to finding that, that super upgrade at either one of those positions. So it's going to, well, let let, let me ask a question on that topic. So Bart Dart from Reddit asks, is there room to improve for Brogdon? Or are we seeing the high end of his ability? And Dan Hoppen asked, similarly, could you see Brogdon becoming the long-term answer at PG? Or is he a career backup? Maybe you've already tipped your hand on this question. Um, but but are, should I read into what you just said as, as indications that you do not foresee Malcolm Brogdon being the solution at point guard? That's exactly what you should read into it. Um, uh, again, this has kind of been... I don't want to say our position. It's certainly been my position that Malcolm Brogdon is ultimately going to be a nice player, and he, he could be a guy that can be a part of the team going forward. But ultimately, if that is your point guard, well, you better be pretty damn special in every other spot in your starting five, because otherwise, I, I just don't think you have enough. All right, so here's a question. So we on this podcast are longtime um fans of george hill is is it just like impossible that malcolm brogdon not impossible but is it is it really far-fetched to say that that brogdon could be a player in the realm of of a george hill wow frank you're really asking me to go to a place i don't know i'm cutting i'm 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 really i'm really getting right at you yeah um yeah i think it's probably a stretch I think George Hill is more talented. Um, I, I guess what to me what keeps Brogdon, me feeling that confident in Brogdon, is that at this moment I don't feel like his his physical skills, his athleticism is overwhelming. It's it's enough right now, and uh, maybe that gets better over time because um, the Bucks training staff has done some really great stuff with a lot of these guys. But with George Hill, like I know he's quick enough all all the time to get into the lane consistently and to make plays and defensively to keep up with point guards and I I still have some of those concerns about Malcolm Brogdon Um, so the broad shoulders and the athleticism and the physicality is all nice with with Brogdon but I don't know if it's at that same level so again that there's there are a few players I love in the league more than George Hill, so I'm probably the absolute wrong person to ask, but I don't think that Malcolm Brogdon can be George Hill. Malcolm Brogdon, 20 dunks this year in 67 games. George Hill's career high, 12. 12, Eric. How do you like that? Um, I'm okay with it. <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon, also, uh, his career, his, his three-point percentage, 40.8%. Uh, George Hill's career best three-point percentage. 40.8%. Interesting parallel. Um, I, I think Brogdon could be in that vein, but I mean, I think even George Hill is like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, he's sort of like the the best average point guard, if that makes sense. You know, like uh, okay. he's he's not like special, special. Um, it's really about fit. Um, and yeah. I don't know. I, I think, I mean, that's why I think you want to start Brogdon at this point. You know, just start seeing how that works, what the dynamic is. Um, and, and you kind of hope it, it starts to, to gel and make sense. And um, so I think it's possible, but but again, like, is he going to be a high level starter? I don't I don't think so. And um, also, let's let's um, just be honest. George Hill has played with some freaking awesome players throughout his career. Yeah. Like, there's a yep. reason George Hill has been able to be as appreciated by basketball nerds like me 
for so long. It's because he's been on good teams. If George Hill's on a team that doesn't have enough talent, like the Bucks might be in a little while, you might have some problems. Like, like that's not the best thing. So counting on your point guard position to be George Hill requires that you have a bunch of talent on the roster. Okay, let's let's talk about Jason Kidd. Um, the the most fun topic for and uh, Bucks Twitter. Um, Ham work safe ass. Um, he's got a few questions. Um, will Jason Kidd be back next next year? Should he be back? The Bucks have been out or near the top ten in O rating all year. How much of that is due to the individual skill of players, and how much is Kidd's offense? I don't really know what the Bucks quote unquote do on offense as far as an overall style. Um, he's got a couple other questions, including um, why the Bucks don't play more small ball with Giannis at the five. Um, Jace move three, four, five, nine. Asked. It seems like the Bucks often win in spite of Jason Kidd. What would you like to see the Bucks do with Kidd? Um, fourth hand, tw- fourth and twenty-six. I almost said four hand, but no, fourth and twenty-six. Unfortunately, I do remember that. What that reference is to. Writes. If Jason Kidd isn't back next season, what other coaching options are out there now? Who would you like to see coaching the team? Um, so let's just start. Let's just start with like the the our expectations for for this coming summer. I mean like how do you think about this like what is your thinking about the likelihood of jason kidd returning or not returning especially given that you know obviously the team was in a really bad rut and then now they've kind of seemingly pulled themselves out of it but the playoffs are also no no certainty so this is how i view it frank in the past i was totally confident that and i think i've said on this podcast and if it wasn't this podcast it was the Brew Who podcast, and if it wasn't the Brew Who podcast, it was some other podcast. But at some point, we've had this conversation, and and I've thought Jason Kidd is not leaving this position as head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks until he decides he wants to. And in the last year, I've backed off that position, and, and I don't I don't believe that to be true at this point. And, and the reasons I say that is, uh, I think last year, end of the year interview. We sat there and I asked questions about giving up three-pointers, about the defensive scheme and if changes would be made. And if we would see different things going forward and it was, oh, yes, we'll evaluate it, we'll take a look, and nothing's changed. When you you talk to players, yeah, we have the same responsibilities as we had last year. And when things are going well, we're talking and contesting and giving enough energy and effort, but there's no... There's no tactical change there. So uh, I think that since the Bucks have given up those same things, that the defense has looked as challenged as it has, that they've given up as many threes as they have throughout this season, I, I can't imagine ownership is super pleased with that. Because, again, we'll go to this exit interview uh, is whenever the season ends, whether they make the playoffs or not. And one of the questions Kid will have to answer and Hammond will have to answer is, the defense gave up too many threes. What's going to be done to address that? Like That's a question that will be asked again. And, and I can't imagine ownership is pleased that their coach and GM have to answer that question again and that seemingly it wasn't addressed. So um, again, in the past, I thought Kid will decide when he doesn't want this job, and I, I don't think that's the case anymore. To answer, will Jason Kidd be back next year? I mean, I think it starts with the defense, and it starts with questions like, are there going to be changes made? And if 
either there's lip service and things don't get changed or if he says flat out no well then i don't know if jason kidd's around anymore because to me that just doesn't seem like something ownership would be willing to accept that things haven't worked for two straight years and no changes will be made schematically or tactically um so I, i think we're getting closer to that point um i i wouldn't be shocked if he's backed if he's back again next year um but at the same time, I think we're, we're getting closer to kind of asking that question. And then as far as offense and whether or not uh, it's what kids' offense does or the individual skill of players, I mean, I think Kevin Arnvitz hit it pretty well the other week when he said uh, just the it's the provisional offense. It's go out there. And I think when you talk to a lot of players, they say – one of the things they appreciate appreciate about Jason Kidd's offense is they they're given the freedom to kind of do some things and uh, not do exactly what they want, but they're given the space to do what they might think is right, to have the freedom to make some of their own decisions in the offense. Like there's that freedom given to them, and if you're not particularly talented, that can end up being very ugly. But if you're a guy like Giannis Adetokounmpo, if you're a guy like Jabari Parker. Chris Middleton, Greg Monroe, all those guys are very talented individual scorers. Well, then you're going to have an offensive rating that's near the top 10 because there's the talent is just so overwhelming on the offensive side that they can really get in there and, and do some things offensively. So um, I don't know if I did a great job answering those questions, but those are, those are kind of some of my thoughts there. Where, where are you at? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think the playoff, making the playoffs versus not making the playoffs is probably... Again, I don't think that, that should be. I don't think that's the actual like bellwether that should be used to determine whether or not Jason Kidd is the coach again next year. Because, I mean, it's it's. I think it's a pretty kind of arbitrary line, and and from what we can tell and look at this, I mean, the Bucks are going to be close, right? So it's going to come down to some yeah. probably a game here, game there, and I don't know why you would base you know such a big decision and for this franchise. I mean, they would be eating. I don't know what is it, fifteen million or something like that. Given he has a three-year extension coming up after the yeah. season, I don't know if you, I don't know if you'd let something like that be the deciding factor. I think you you would base it off of some of the things you're saying, right? That well, they've used the same defense, and the defense has been bottom third two straight years, and you know the offense has come around, but it's kind of just like, you know, is it harnessing the unique talents of the players, or, or is it, you know just kind of free riding off their, their coattails. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm happy I'll give kid, I guess some credit that, well, their three point shooting is way up this year. Um, but again, like catch, catching up with sort of the, the league (laughs) a little bit. I mean, that's not really necessarily worth celebrating too much. I mean, there's still 26, I think in, in three pointers attempted. Um, they still are top 10 in three point accuracy, which tells you that they should be shooting even more. Um, so, you know, it's been kind of like pulling teeth sort of from a philosophical standpoint a little bit. Um, and again, I mean, I don't think, I think a lot of times, you know, it's easy to sort of oversimplify and say, oh, just run Dan Tony's offense. It's like, well, no, you, you know, you don't have <laughs> James Harden. That's hard to do. Um, but, you know, it's easy to sort of look at just general trends and, and say, well, if you want to be good offensively, you need to shoot a lot of threes. That's, there's a pretty clear, um, <laughs> there's a pretty clear, correlation between those things and the bucks are sort of still succeeding in large part in spite of that um but you know i don't know if that would matter as much um if not for the you know the defensive stuff and just you know again are you are you going to start taking advantage of you know the fact that you've got some 
some interesting talent. I mean, I, I guess obviously it's not perfectly fitting. Um, you know, you've had Jabari, who isn't a great defender. You had Beasley, Tladovich, and you had some guys maybe who aren't great defenders. You have Monroe. Um, but, you know, I think, again, I think you just have to look at the big picture. So I think the interesting thing is, so if, if we look at this and we say, okay, Jason Kidd isn't really, is, is he evolving as a head coach? Is he getting better, right? I mean, that's the main thing. He's a, he's a young guy. Like, you should be evolving and, and learning and getting better. Um, and if he's not, if he is sort of just being stubborn and doing kind of the things the way he's always done them and, you know, they're just waiting for the players to figure it out or whatever it is, um, then it probably shouldn't be surprising that the Bucks are trending towards the exact same record in year three as they were in year one. And I think that's probably the biggest concern and the thing that ownership has to really think about is, you know, are you, are you, you know, putting yourself in a position where the coaching staff is going to actively evolve and, and make your players better? Or, um, or are you just sort of treading water and and trying to do the same thing over and over again even when it doesn't necessarily work that well um and you know i'm sure you know kid will, will obviously and i think ownership will look at the, the progress of you know some of these young players and feel really good about that and um you know again and i mean i i can't tell you what what credit sean sweeney gets for developing Giannis or you know whether everything was never whatever it might be um but all those things have to be weighed and um, I think if the Bucks don't make the playoffs, I think it becomes much easier, let's say, um, for, I think, ownership to sort of talk them, themselves into a change. Um, and, and I don't know, as you said, I mean, kids, I think, role in decision-making has eroded over the past couple of years. Um, I, I don't get the sense that he is pulling the strings from a personnel standpoint the way many people perceived he would, especially maybe a year or two ago. And might that also play a role in in Jason Kidd's future in Milwaukee? You know, if he feels like, well, they're just sticking me with 18 cents and I don't get to get the guys I want or blah, 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 which, I mean, let's be honest, he's still got chat, you know. It's not like, um, but, but I don't know. There are a lot of variables, and um, I think making the playoffs will make it much harder to fire him, I think, given ownership's commitment to him. Um, but I don't think anything's out of play, and I don't think anything should be out of play at this point. Uh, this is a quick one. Uh, Trap Hag asks, uh, defense seems to be the difference maker on this recent stretch of wins. What has changed? Uh, parenthetical, is this all because of Chris coming back, or has the team adjusted as a whole? Um, I think we've talked about it. I don't, I don't think there's really been any... I mean, I, I, I've asked a few people. It doesn't seem like there's been any real fundamental adjustment or change. Um you know, not having some of your lesser defenders, uh, you know, again, will probably make you look a, a bit better defensively. But um, I think it also is just noise to a large extent. So uh, we'll see if it keeps up. Yeah, I totally agree. I, nothing has changed. I, I, I Really, I don't think a thing has changed defensively other than they they hit a stretch of teams that happen to be in the bottom third of the league i think even in the bottom five of uh attempted three-point shooting three-point attempt rate um and again like you said there's some noise there um having chris back obviously helps and he is a good defender um maybe a great defender so obviously that can help out a little bit but defensively schematically nothing has changed um jsmove3459 asks uh from reddit for playoff matchups in order who do you? I, I, you've already like come out on on this uh, stating who you want, so I, I don't know. I guess oh, it's just yeah. how you want with your. But but the question is, who do you think the Bucks would match up best with, or want to see them match up with 
Cavs, Celtics, Raps, and Wiz. I want no part of the Raps or Wiz, but I think Cavs and Celtics series should be fun. That's from Jace Move. What saith you, Eric Name? Do you still demand the Cleveland Cavaliers, or uh, has has sense come over you? Give me the Cavs, baby. That's all I want. <laughs> um, I, again, I think the goal here is obviously you want to try to win. I, I get that, but I think what you want is for your guys to have a real playoff experience and to have everything, I guess every weakness they have just amplified to the nth degree. I I want them to see all of their weaknesses, and especially for Giannis. I want to see LeBron pick him apart and show him all of the ways that you are inadequate so that going into the summer, he can... All he can think about is, LeBron beat me, I need to go beat LeBron. I I, I truly, honestly believe that is how, what's what's the uh, the cliche, iron sharpens iron, steel sharpens steel, something of that nature, whatever it is. Like, I think you need, for these guys at this point in their career, they're not making a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're not going to the finals. Like we can all be honest with ourselves. That's not happening. This team isn't good enough for that. So I want them to get the most out of it possible. And for me right now, I think even if it's a four-game beatdown from the Cavs, I think that could be the largest amount of fuel you could dump onto Giannis's fire. And to me, I think that would be excellent. Um, again, I don't want any part of the Raptors. They'd match up terribly against the Raptors. And, and again, maybe maybe not as poorly if the Raptors aren't healthy and since they've made some changes. But still, I don't, I don't really want any part of the Raptors. Um, man, the Wizards and Celtics, I'm I'm pretty indifferent towards both those teams. I don't I don't really care about either one. So my, my only hot takes are I want the Cavs and I don't want the Raptors. All right, I'll take the opposite. I, I want any of those teams other than the Cavs. Um, I... I... I think there's a great chance the Bucks just get wiped in, in round one. Um, you know, I, I just think back to last year, like Detroit and a grand, I, I'm happily going to take the Bucks roster over the Pistons, but you know, last year it's like, Oh, Detroit, like they're spunky and they're smack talking and LeBron, you know, sweeps them four Oh and Oh, but they're on the rise. And no, they're not on the rise. They're basically worse, you know, they're worse this year than they were a year ago. Um, I, I just, I just, I, I don't know. I, I think getting the, 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 you know, buy into the around. narrative, Frank. Buy yeah. into it. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not as interested. I think, you know, honestly, I, I look at the the, the Wiz. I, I just don't know how good the Wiz really are. I mean, the Bucks have had some problems with them this year. I just don't think the Wiz are, I don't know, are the Wiz really that, that good? I mean, they've lost a couple games here recently. Um, you know, they, they've added some depth with, with, with John Wall is that and, good, uh, and good God, I don't want to see Delhi and Brogdon try to cover John Wall. That, for a that's whole actually series. that's actually a good point. Um, I will say this though: uh, the Wiz and Raptors shoot relatively few three pointers. So, as I've said all year, the first thing I look at when I think does a team match up well with the Bucks is do I I say does this team shoot a lot of three pointers? The Wiz and Raptors don't, and I think with the Raptors, you alluded to injuries. I mean, if Kyle Lowry is like 75% Kyle Lowry, uh-huh. then I'm okay playing the Raptors because they I, don't shoot yeah. that many threes, you know, overall. And I don't know. They're, they're a weird team. Um, I, I 
agree. I'm not going to say that they match up well with the Raptors, but um, if Kyle Lowry is not himself, um, I, I, I would much rather play that team than um, the Celtics or or certainly the Cavs. So that's my. I guess we didn't really rank order them, but but who cares? Um, it's our podcast, Frank. We can do whatever we podcast. want. Come on, we'll we'll do whatever the hell we want. <laughs> um, really important question. Ruvio zero zero on Reddit asks: Would you rather get <laughs> Would you rather get enforced by one hundred moose sized bucks or one hundred buck sized mooses? <laughs> oh wow, that's really this is an easy. This is an easy question, actually. I'll let you. It let, I'll let you see if you can figure it out. I mean, I think it's got to be the moose size. Uh, so the moose size bucks would be more intimidating, and I feel like stronger. So I would go with the buck size mooses. Oh, I'd go the opposite. I don't know moose. I, a, a buck and a moose. I don't know. Like, are they that? I mean, I guess they weigh probably very different amounts. But I just don't want many moose. That's that's my main thing. I just want very few moose. Um, although I guess maybe the bucks would have sharper horns. So if they were even bigger, that might That's be worse. That's what I'm worse. saying. And yeah. like moose are like, aren't they? I don't even like two times bigger than like bucks. Or am I making that up? Like, aren't? So- uh, no, you're gonna you're gonna have to watch Planet Earth. Um, I think that's the end of this this line of questioning. Uh, <laughs> Fonz Nyy, I don't know. Uh, at at Yams Kino asks, uh, where does Rashad Vaughn take you on a first date, Eric? Hmm. Let's see. It's got to be somewhere where I can be on Snapchat or some sort of social media. Um, so, like, a movie is definitely out. A, like, a super fine dinner is probably out. Um, oh man, wh- where, where where does that even leave? Like, maybe we'd go to a park or something? I don't know. Panda Express. That's my nomination. <laughs> um Jeremy Jones asks, what are your nominations for best win slash worst loss of the year? Do you have any ones that immediately come to mind for either of those? Uh, worst lost, uh, the worst loss, I'll go Sixers. Um, that one was pretty brutal. The Embiidless Sixers at home um, in the middle of that stretch that uh, was just sad. Um, that, that should have been the right answer, but I have the correct answer. I I easily have the correct answer. This 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 is not even close. This this is so much worse than that loss. It's not even close. It's the Lakers. It one? Is, no. Oh. It is the Miami Heat loss where Jabari tore his ACL. Because goddamn it, we all knew what was happening, <laughs> and we were just depressed that entire night. And they lost, and it was just all horrible. So there's no comparison. <sighs> all right. Best Bucks win of the season. What what do you think was the best Bucks win of the season? I think I have an idea of what the most improbable Bucks win of the season was, but I don't think that was the best Bucks win of the season. Um, I'm gonna withhold my answer for now. What, do you have any guesses, or do you want me to go? Um, I feel like the Spurs one would be the one, but I totally dislike that game just because it didn't really prove anything to me because Michael Beasley was the closer down the stretch. Um, you know what? I think best win. I might go with this uh, Clippers win. Just from this last week, it was at a time where they really needed a win. It was a game that I didn't think they were going to get on the road trip, and um, yeah, they they needed it, and it was big. And uh, that's what I'm going to go with. I don't feel great about it, so I'm very curious to hear what you say. Uh, I think the Spurs game was probably the most probabilistically unlikely, um, just because Giannis like didn't play at all. Um, I, although did Aldridge not play in that game? Somebody good for the Spurs, I think, missed that game. It was game, Aldridge, but, yeah. But I mean, the Spurs like it almost doesn't matter who plays. Um, 
But on the road in San Antonio without Giannis, I think that one is probably the most improbable. But I agree. For the best one of the year, I mean, being a Giannis fanboy, Giannis has to play well in 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 a win to make it uh, you know even possible to be considered for best win of the year. So I, I think I would have to go with, um, and I agree the Clippers win was really fun last week, but I would have to go with um, that beat down of the the Cavs in the first game. That was just a lot of fun. Yeah, the Bucks that had was so pretty much cool. Energy. Yeah, um, they you know, Giannis was was awesome. Um, that that was pretty great. That I think as as far as like peak bucks, like this is awesome and fun and holy crap, Giannis is great. I, I think you know maybe not a lot of games have compared to that. Although I also enjoyed just the way that the Bucks um, just murdered the Bulls in Chicago. I think it was on December sixteenth was the one I'm thinking of where it was like they held them to like sixty nine points or seventy nine points or something like that, and Giannis was just insane. Um, that was that was a really fun game too. Um, so that that will be my my nominations. I like both of those. Those those are both yeah. good ones. Um, all the Bucks tweets. Tired of Bucks talk. Instead, would you guys be willing to release a bloopers slash outtakes podcast with funny omissions? I don't think there really are funny omissions. To be honest, Eric, we we don't really there's we're not holding back any hilarious <laughs> awesome bits. I don't think. I was gonna say we release it every day. It's yeah. <laughs> it's what we do. Like that is the bloopers and outtakes of our podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think. No, no, like I do. I mean, like I do some editing on all of these, but they, it's very rare. The only thing you're missing is incessant cursing from me, um, and maybe a tirade or two from one of us. Um, but I, there's not really a lot that we cut out. Yeah. We're generally oh, just not funny, so no, there's no, no great bloopers or outtakes. Oh, actually, yeah. there. I, I guess one good one, it's deleted and we'll never see the light of day, but uh, the one day I got a sponsor wrong um, with a different company that sells similar products and just started reading that, and Frank's like, uh, actually... You know, we uh, we're sponsored by this other company that does that, and I, that would have been a funny blooper slash outtake. But I don't think our sponsor would have loved that. Not, not, not your greatest moment. All right, should we put a bow on this? Is that the end of our Reddit slash Twitter mailbag? I think so. Okay. Well, we appreciate everybody redditing and <laughs> and tweeting at us. And like the um, worst we- part is like I was trying to scroll as we were going through all the questions. We had like copy and pasted into a document and. We probably missed like half of them. You guys are insane with all of your questions. Like they're not in, the questions are insane, but how many questions we get to me is just totally crazy that this many of you are listening or cared to submit a question to hear us say something stupid in response. So uh, we appreciate you. That's awesome. Thank you for listening. And if you haven't already told your friends and. Uh, I would assume you have, but if you haven't, tell your friends about us and uh, hopefully we can have some more people get in these conversations and have some more fun discussions and uh, that makes it more fun for us. If there, if there are more people that are contributing new ideas and, uh, and stuff like that, that, that makes this better for us. So yeah, that'll, that'll be it for us for today. This has been Locked on Bucks. That was Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. We'll actually have basketball to talk about the next time you hear us, um, which is exciting. So we can finally get back into the Bucks schedule. And I say finally as though it was like the all-star break. It was just a 
random two game two day stretch of games where or two a, two, <laughs> a random two day stretch where the Bucks didn't have games. But uh, they'll be back in action against Portland. We'll talk with each other after it, and we'll get that out to you on Wednesday morning. So uh, we'll see the Bucks take on the Portland Trailblazers. That'll be our next Lockdown Bucks. That'll be it for today. We'll talk to you later.